Welcome to another episode of Addicted to MRR. Today we have Jesse Rodriguez, who calls himself the Credit CEO. How are you doing today, Jesse? I'm doing well, Travis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So what does the Credit CEO mean? So basically what I do is I teach people how to improve their credit and become the boss of their credit. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's probably a pretty huge market. You look at you know how many people have student loans and credit cards and want to buy a house or other things. And there's all these phantom costs, you know, uh, I call them poor people tax, but you don't necessarily have to be poor to be suffering (laughs) from it. It's hidden fees, higher interest rates, all that kind of stuff. Is that the kind of stuff you help with? Yes, absolutely. Anything that you're getting charged extra because your credit is bad, we can help you with that. Cool. So, you know, we like to talk about subscriptions here and subscription businesses, which is the whole premise here. Um, So why don't you walk me through kind of how your business is structured and the way that you charge your clients. uh, And then we can kind of walk through, you know, how you're getting new clients, how you're reducing churn, all those kind of great things. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, most of our clients are on a monthly reoccurring billing, anywhere between $97 a month to $299 a month. And it's been a great way to build a business because monthly recurring revenue is awesome. And that's what your podcast is all about. Yeah, for sure. So with those kind of price points, um, how much uh, monthly recurring revenue are you actually doing right now? Um, Right at this point, we're doing anywhere between 20 to 40,000 a month. That's awesome. And so the, the recurring part of that is probably towards the bottom. Do you, do you offer anything as one-time sales? I would say about 10% of our sales are a one-time fee. It's really rare that we do that, though. Okay. And so for this kind of business and this kind of industry, do you find that people want to continue to pay for your services even after they've seen an improvement in their credit score because it's more of a maintenance type thing? Or do you find that there's sort of an average shelf life that a customer needs to stick with you to benefit from your services and then maybe they don't need them any longer? Our business is a little bit special, and when people do receive the credit improvement, they don't typically stay on the monthly plan, just for the fact that we're offering a service that improves their credit once they reach their goals, they're graduated from our program, which isn't the best for our business model. I'm trying to think of new ways to keep them on and paying, but once they're graduated, they, they're done and they don't want to pay anymore. Sure. That makes sense. So how long is the average customer? Do they, how long do the average, uh, stay, stay with you, I guess. Most of them are between six to 12 months. Okay. That makes sense. And how long does it generally take before they start to see results? Most people see results after about 60 days in the program. Awesome. So you're able to deliver value right out of the gate and then probably continually and gradually improve that over time. Exactly. Sweet. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, one thing we've seen kind of interesting, um, a buddy of mine who runs a subscription, bunch of SaaS based tools. One thing that he offers people when they go to cancel is like a maintenance plan at a reduced rate. So I don't know what services you could bundle, you know, that's maybe instead of 97 or 299 a month, maybe it's something for 19 or $29 a month that offers ongoing monitoring or that kind of stuff. Just a, just a thought. 
Exactly. And that that's kind of what I've been looking to implement into our program because I know that we are losing a lot of money by allowing these people to graduate the program and not have continuing revenue from them. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're excited because what you did works, but you don't want to work yourself out of a job. So it's finding ways of, of offering continued value beyond that six to 12 month window. Exactly. And it seems to be a problem that almost everyone in my industry is facing because I haven't seen anyone that's successfully generated a profitable program for their students who have graduated. Sure. So with that, I mean, would you think, would you say it's fair to say that your churn after 12 months is pretty close to 100% then? Yeah, it's at least in the 90% rate. Yeah, I'm sure you have some that probably actually end up forgetting that they're even still subscribing some small percentage. But do you offer uh, upsells when people come into your business? We do offer upsells, yes. Okay, and so can you give me an idea of kind of what that looks like? Is it going from a $97 a month plan to a more premium plan? Is it some kind of bump offer with a one-time upsell of some additional service? How does that kind of work in your business? Our main upsell is to get um, an individual who is signing up to add on their spouse. Okay. And so what does something like that cost? So to include a spouse in the program, it's typically $100 extra per month. Okay. That's a a great upsell because generally if you know, uh, I find anyway, myself and my friends, your, your habits and the habits of your spouse, especially financially, tend to be at least in the same ballpark. So I bet that you probably have a pretty good take rate. Do you know about what percentage take that bump? I think it's around 25% of the people do that. That's pretty great. So, so is you, do most people come in at your $97 a month uh, price point? Most of the people come in at $149 a month. 97 is our lowest that we offer. And so that would be somebody who doesn't need as much work or who's going to be a fairly easy case, which is not very often in this business. Sure. So that's a pretty significant bump in your average customer value than by offering that one-time upsell. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great upsell for us. Do you um, do you do any others about like refer a friend programs or anything like that? Um, we do have programs where you can refer a a friend and get a free month of service. Okay, um, and, and we also get affiliate commissions by referring out to other programs like credit monitoring, debt settlement, bankruptcy, things like that. Sure. Um, how effective has the refer a friend program been for you? I would say that it generates at least 40% of our business. Wow, that's pretty big. And, and your only real carrot for that is one month free? Yeah. Great. So I mean, it means you're essentially acquiring 40% of your business, you know, at a customer acquisition cost of, what, 147 bucks? 149, yeah. 149, yeah, okay. But for, let's just call it 150 bucks, your per customer that you acquire is 40% of your business. That's a... That's a great metric. Do you do any paid traffic or what other methods are you using to acquire customers beyond the referral system? Up until this year, we did strictly organic SEO, organic social media, blogging, stuff like that. This is the first year that we've actually done paid advertising. And we're mainly focusing on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you have any kind of early numbers on what your customer acquisition cost is when using paid media? No, we're so new at this. I, it's been like the last 60 days we just started doing paid advertising. Okay, no worries. It, it'll be really interesting to see what it costs you to acquire customers with advertising considering your referral program has worked so effectively. I mean, 150 bucks to get a customer you know, sticks around for six to 12 months at a $150 a month, you know, that's, that's really good ROI. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. And, and the benefit of, you know, a credit restoration business is we don't have a ton of overhead on our service. It's really about expertise and knowing what you're doing. Our overhead per client each month is three to $5. Wow. Okay. So is a lot of your services, are they, one-on-one or they, at that price, you know, an overhead, it has to be kind of a lot of pre-recorded education. Is that in tools? Does that sound about right? Yes, we do a lot of video education. We send out a lot of videos to our students and try and keep them educated that way and answer their questions before they have them to to save on customer service costs. Okay. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, and so... What per, do you offer any kind of uh, higher end, hands on, one to one type of services? We do. It's more targeted towards somebody who is currently getting a mortgage loan and something on their credit is tying up the deal. Um, for something like that, we charge on a per results basis. So, giving an example there, um, let's say somebody has a debt collection account that's holding them up from getting a six or a $700,000 mortgage, we will go in and work with that person one-on-one and negotiate with the credit bureaus or the debt collector to try and remove that from the credit report before the loan closes. Mm-hmm. And something like that could generate us anywhere between $1,000 to $2,000 so that would fall into the bucket where you, uh, the small percentage that you said is sort of one-off? Yes. And we call it a per-deletion or based-on-results program. Okay. Yeah, so it's just sort of like your high-end, more like an agency work as opposed to informational work. Correct. That's awesome. So when I go through these different strategies, it's awesome you have an upsell that's working um, I think adding a spouse is genius. You know, you see other live events where people say, you know, bring your partner or bring your business partner or whatever, and their ticket is half price. You know, those kind of things are always super effective ways to to sort of bulk up your your overall system. I know that you had at least toyed with doing um, some live events in the past. Can you walk me through kind of what your thought process was there? Was that for prospects? Was that for customers? Was there a price point? What What was that all about? Yeah, I was really just doing live events to get credibility with potential prospects. And it was completely free. So it was like a four-hour event. And we would have people come learn about the basics of credit and do a very brief pitch at the end, which wasn't even really a pitch. It was like, if you want to schedule a free consultation with me, go to this website. And the live events was actually the most profitable thing that we've done in terms of marketing. I, t- I totally believe it. Um, I used to work uh, years ago for a best-selling author, and a lot of their business models in the author space have to do with what they would call a preview event, which is essentially what you just described. 
you know, it's a several hour thing in the afternoon, tells them about how they can work with, you know, gives them enough information to understand where they're at and where they need to be. And then has a call to action at the end to take the next steps to go down that journey of completing whatever value they were looking to do. So I I 100% believe you that that was one of your more profitable channels. Uh, How many times have you done those events? Um, I've done four of those so far. Okay. And all of those were when you were in the Pacific Northwest as opposed to Hawaii? Yeah, correct. I have done zero events since I've been in Hawaii. Isn't it kind of funny? We find things that are super successful. And as business owners, sometimes we just don't go back and do them again for some reason. <laughs> I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's funny the, how that the works. The trap of the business owner in their head, right? For sure. Yeah. I'm just taking some notes here because I want to keep track. All right, great. So you did these live events and they worked really well. What's a campaign that you did that did not work out well um, that you would definitely not do again? (laughs) Oh, man. I think most of the business, I I don't know if it's a campaign per se, but it's more of people coming into my business and pitching me when I was young and saying, hey, I'll build a telemarketing center and get you thousands of leads and I've had a lot of problems with people trying to partner with me in the past that just weren't on the same level of integrity or skill set. And I I can't think of any campaigns that have been unsuccessful, more just business partnerships. I mean, partnerships is a big one. In the the last session that we just did, uh, talking with Trent Dearsmith of Floaster.app, his entire business, all of his success is almost entirely because of partnerships that have worked out for the better. So um, do you feel like that has more to do with the industry that you're trying to deal with or the type of partnerships they were approaching? Or or what do you think about that made it not so successful and problematic for you? I do think that the stigma of the industry of credit repair definitely attracts people who are a bit scammy or have that fast track mentality of, hey, like let's get you great credit in 30 days. And it's completely illegal for us to market in that way. So I think that our industry does attract some people who are a bit scammy or lack integrity, which seem to be some of the main issues I was running into in terms of partnerships. But um, also, you, you know, I've got to look at myself as well. I'm not the easiest person to work with in terms of a partnership. And and why do you think that is? Well, I have no idea. I'm an entrepreneur and and uh I'm a solopreneur most of the time. And so I don't I became an entrepreneur because I don't take direction from others very well um historically in school and stuff like that. So I may not be the person who is a right fit for a business partner. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, self-awareness is a beautiful thing. There's there's nothing wrong with understanding, you know, what our shortcomings are as long as we know how to deal with them and and play to our strengths. So there's certainly no harm in saying, you know, I don't play well with others as well as maybe I could. (laughs) I think there's a reason that we all get into this space and want to build a business. It's not necessarily because we want to manage people, um, even though you need to hire the right smart people. It's not necessarily because you want partners um, even if you end up with partners, but finding ways to play to your strengths and understand your weaknesses to be your most successful self moving forward. 
Well, hey, I'll, I'll take that all day. <laughs> so uh, we've already talked about how the referral system has been a huge boon to your business. I was, I'm definitely surprised that such a, a large percentage of them come from that one month free, but that's that's awesome, man. I'm really excited for you on that. What other types of things have been successful in bringing you new customers? We talked about the live events and we talked about the referrals, but is there anything else that sticks out that has just worked really well for sending you new business? Yeah, I would say the two most successful avenues that we have that are generating leads and bringing in new customers are the number one is YouTube and number two is Google Places or your Google business listing on Google Maps. Those two things are bringing us a bulk of our new clients that have never heard of us before. I love YouTube because you can generate content once and people watch it over and over and over again. Whereas, you know, if you're doing telephone sales, you have to talk to each person and say the same thing over and over again. But if you do a video, you only need to record it once. Sure. I would even say that um, a similar sort of uh, dichotomy is true of creating content on YouTube versus even creating content for Facebook, right? Because Facebook, you get the algorithm pop and then it's kind of one and done for the most part. You know, I do a Facebook Live or whatever. It's Once that content has run its course, for the most part, it's not going to generate for you anymore. Whereas YouTube, it's, you know, the second biggest search engine in the world, right? And, and that kind of content has a lo- much longer shelf life and can show up when other people are typing in keywords related to what you want. So I, I think you're absolutely right that There's great long-term value out of that. And I'm a huge fan of anything that you can do that is leveraged, right? Like not everything has to be automated. You know, coming from the guy who runs a marketing automation tool, not 100% of everything has to be automated, but uh, the idea of leveraged stuff, you know, doing campaigns that can stack their value over time, especially as a solo entrepreneur in your situation, it's a big deal because you only have so many hours in a day, so many hours in a week, and you want to make sure that effort is moving towards a greater goal in six months and 12 months and 24 months. So you're actually building something as opposed to always scrambling for what am I going to do this month? Yeah. Or, or just like you said, what am I going to do today on Facebook or Instagram? And I love YouTube because videos I made five years ago are still generating revenue for us today. Yeah, that's, that's huge, man. That I really, you really can't, overstate the value of long-term evergreen content like that. One of the things I wanted to touch on as well about YouTube is I've become more transparent on YouTube and I've been giving away more free advice in terms of like the advanced stuff that we do on the back end to get items removed from people's credit reports. I've been sharing that on YouTube for free and the more that I give the more that I get, which is really, really cool because most people would think that it is the direct opposite of that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've talked to and, and listened to quite a few people that are heavy in selling information products. And the one revelation that they always talk about is essentially what you just underscored. And it's counterintuitive, especially for those just getting started, is that they think if I, if I hide all my, if I give away all my best stuff, who's going to buy from me? But what you are saying essentially is give away your best stuff and you're building credibility, you're building rapport, you're building a relationship, you're proving your expertise in the community. And they think if he's giving this away for free, what am I going to get if I actually pay? (laughs) Exactly. 
And, and the people who are looking for that free advice weren't going to pay you anyways. For sure. Yeah. And I remember when uh, Geek Squad, as an example, uh, you know, the unit within Best Buy that does technology repairs, they started a YouTube channel about how to repair your PC. And the shareholders, you know, got up during the shareholder meeting when they announced that they were going to do this and said, if you show everyone how to fix their PC, isn't that going to hurt Geek Squad sales? <laughs> and he said, you'll be surprised and people will start doing it and break their computer and they'll actually up their bill when they come to us. So, <laughs> Oh, no way. Yeah. So uh, launching that YouTube channel drove not only people that were, you know, awareness of Geek Squad in general, but it got people beyond the point of return where they then needed professional help to get them back on the right track. It's not that it was bad content. It's just that, you know, people knew just enough to be dangerous. Um, it actually drove their revenue significantly, which I found pretty funny. So <laughs> it's uh, it's not too dissimilar, really. Yeah, it's it's weird how that counterintuitive stuff really works. For sure. So, hey, this has been really interesting so far. Um, is there anything that you would like to talk about that you feel we haven't covered that's either been really successful or incredibly challenging in your business uh, and how that played out? Well, do you want to talk about the software issues that you know that I have? <laughs> Sure. There's, you know, we, we talk with businesses that run software as a service. In your case, you know, it's information products. Uh, it can be physical products. But let's talk about the nuts and bolts about how you run your business and maybe some of those challenges that you have. So basically, we are on two different softwares. One that controls the back-end system of what we do for our clients, which is credit repair and maintaining their personal information, sending out letters on their behalf. There's one system that does that. And then we have to be on a completely separate system to control our billing, payment processing, monthly subscriptions, email marketing, text message marketing, all of that stuff. And for the people out there who... Well, let's see. How do I say this? <laughs> I, I want to be respectful about it because I use Infusionsoft mm -hmm. and I hate it and I also love it. And I want to work with you, Travis, on your system. But I am so entangled in Infusionsoft. It's like it has this chokehold on me and my business. So what is it that you love about it? Uh, and what, could it, what does that do for your business, the parts you love? And what are the challenges you run into given your type of business? Well, for one, I, I would love a software that would do everything. So I could have an interface that was just one software that managed the back end of the business and the same software also managed my marketing and payment processing. It doesn't seem like anyone in my industry has created that yet. So in terms of what I love about Infusionsoft, it's really the automated reoccurring billing features that have kept me with them, but also locked me in with them. So before we had them, we would have to manually process payments for people who missed a payment or the payment didn't process for that month. We had a, an assistant who would go in, go through every payment and try to process it if it failed through the system. Well, Infusionsoft has saved us the time of one to two employees having to manually input that information, which is great. But they also are so 
stuck in like 1998 sometimes with the way that their system is set up. And it's so confusing and so not user friendly that it can really put a thorn in your side. And it's stressful to even think about switching to another platform. But I desperately want to. The one upside about having almost 100% churn after 12 months is it means that once you started putting customers in a new system, it would sort of flush itself out. You're um, right. A You're right, other, and I've thought about that. <laughs> a number of other platforms, you know, they, they have you so locked in, sort of like Hotel California is what I jokingly refer to them as. You know, you can check out, but you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, no, I totally feel you. You know, we, we were obviously longtime uh, Infusionsoft customers forever. I'm not. Sp- I don't want to spend this time bashing on Infusionsoft forever, but um, we used them quite a bit. We found that the short answer is they basically didn't do what they said they can do consistently, and that was frustrating, hurting our business, hurting our sales, hurting our ability to communicate with our customers and deliver the content they expected that would drive them down the customer journey. And so that was. A big problem for us. That's why we ended up building Campaign Refinery, which is an alternative to Infusionsoft. I don't want to be too self-promotional on these, but uh, spent years building that because one of their help desk people basically told us, good luck finding anything better. Um, (laughs) And as a software guy, I don't really tend to take that too well. So uh, we did build something better. Anyway, I can understand, you know, that the recurring stuff is awesome. Thankfully, we live in an age now in 2019 where there are multiple billing platforms available that have really robust uh, dunning systems that can try to rebuild your customers uh, at intervals. It can send them emails to remind them, make it easier for them to update their credit card information. All of these things that as a subscription business save you time, save you money, and recover money for you that would have otherwise been lost. As you astutely pointed out, you know, Infusionsoft, when working properly, is saving you one or two employees a month in a lot of pain and legwork, right? Exactly. And thankfully now with other platforms like Samcart and Thrivecart and PayKickstart and all these other tools coming out that run on top of merchant processors, now you don't have to think about, oh, how do I make my ugly checkout cart look nice? Oh, how do I offer an upsell without needing a rocket scientist you know, <laughs> on staff? And oh, how do I save my rec- recurring billings and all those kind of things? Um, you know, we had actually even built our own checkout system actually back in 2013 that was effectively the Sam card, thrive card, pay kickstart before any of those platforms existed. And we even abandoned our own efforts to take an off the shelf system because it allowed us to more quickly implement different upsells and test them against each other and tweak designs. And it was a lot easier, even though we had our own system to use someone else's system to iterate offers they would increase the value of every customer that we brought in the door. So even though I had spent way too much money <laughs> on custom developers and custom designers, even I found an off-the-shelf system alleviated a lot of that pain. And as far as tying in your backend with your marketing system, um, do you have you actually seen that to really be a comprehensive thing that has worked in other industries that have you know, been best in class in every conceivable aspect? Because when we looked at it, one thing that stuck out to us is that some of these systems that do all-in-one, and Infusionsoft tries hard to be an all-in-one system, right? What you end up with is you end up with mediocre of everything instead of 
the best in class email marketing and the best in class page builder and the best in class shopping cart system. And and that's what when you're buying, at least for me, when I was buying Infusionsoft four or five years ago, that's what I thought I was getting. I didn't realize to get a mobile optimized shopping cart, you need to pay a third party provider $50 a month extra. Right. But you're still getting charged for the feature living inside of Infusionsoft that you may or may not be using. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of the hurdle that, that we found. And, and I understand your desire as a business owner to to want everything under one roof, but you know, would you be equally satisfied if your backend system and your marketing system made it easy to connect and talk to each other? I mean, I, I would definitely be happy about that. In, in terms of the question you asked a minute ago about our industry having something like that, I know that a couple people in our industry have built out a system where it is all in one, all under one roof, catered specifically to our industry, but it's not readily available to the the public people in our industry yet. It's more something private that they built to run their own company. Right, and they likely spent hundreds of thousands, if not even a million plus dollars building it, if I had to guess, um, yes. knowing, knowing what we've spent on building our tools and that's that then becomes a competitive advantage for them in some ways. So they don't necessarily want to share it. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, you know, I think that covers most of the numbers that we talked about. You know, we talked about your 20K MRR. Um, I'm curious, how has that changed over, say, a year, you know, a year ago versus two years ago? Have you been seeing consistent growth in your business? Well, I'm in a special predicament because I moved from Seattle to Hawaii about a year and a half ago, and I didn't really work for about six months there. So we've been pretty steady and consistent. I'm back to working a couple hours a day now, so business is growing again. But that's one of the beauties of having monthly reoccurring revenue is that you get to take time off when you need it. Right, and, and your money is still there, coming not- in. You're not scrambling for more dollars this week. (laughs) Exactly. And that's been the beauty of it. So um, I was able to make a huge life change. I'm living where I want. I work a few hours a day. I get to surf whenever I want. And for me, you can't really put a price on that. But it Mm -hmm. was extremely helpful to have monthly reoccurring revenue while I was going through that massive life change. For sure. You know, one aspect of that, you know, it's great once you can get there. um, But oftentimes, just getting started is the really hard part. So I like to ask people, how did you get your first 10 customers in your business that started paying you a monthly subscription? My first 10 customers, I'm pretty sure that it was all through Craigslist about 11 years ago. Yeah. Tell me about that. I'm, I'm really curious. I, well, we were just posting ads on the Craigslist service section for people who needed help with their credit. And back then, it was it was definitely right around be- before YouTube started. I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was before YouTube started, before Facebook was a big thing. It was about 11, 12 years ago. And we were just posting ads on Craigslist, asking people to schedule a free consultation and have us look at their credit report. And we signed up our first clients through our Craigslist advertising. And so when I looked at your website earlier, it seems that today your general model is still 
starting with that free consult. Is that correct? Yes, 100%. Great. And so how, how many uh, Craigslist ads do you feel like you had to post, though, before you got your first 10 customers? Probably 20 or 30 of them. That's consistent, man. I'm proud of you. <laughs> because, you know, with recurring revenue, it's it does stack. And even with, a tr- you know, a really high churn rate after six to 12 months, um, you do still build momentum. But, uh, you know, getting those first 5, 10, 20, 50 customers, it's a real feat. It's a real grind. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, luckily in your case, you don't have a ton of overhead. But in other businesses, we do have a lot of overhead. You can feel immense pressure to get to a certain dollar amount, you know, to where your MRR exceeds your costs. So getting to the cash flow neutral spot is is sort of the holy grail. And then from there, it becomes much easier. And for our business, at least, I think the most important part was really getting myself out there and building credibility. Because once I built the credibility, I had some testimonials I was able to put on the website then it was easier for the customers to come in. Yeah, definitely. There's a snowball effect, not only because you have social proof, but then as we mentioned here earlier, I mean, 40% of your business comes from the referral system. So, you know. So the more we sign up, (laughs) then the more we sign up. Exactly. And they're probably, you know, uh, even interested in referring you customers again and again and again, right? At 40% is people that are active, right? That have an incentive for the one month. I bet that there's a good percentage there that aren't even seeing the upside per se of getting a free month, but are still sending you business without you even realizing it at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. We get a ton of referrals. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, um, the last segment I want to talk about uh, is sort of near and dear to my heart about, thankfully you said you don't have to work too many hours a day, uh, but I think as entrepreneurs, especially solo entrepreneurs and business owners, that we have a lot of stress and we have a lot of mental health considerations to think about while building a business as from someone who suffers from generalized anxiety uh, and panic attacks, even sometimes I have to make a really concerted effort in my business to take care of myself, take care of my body, take care of my mind, you know, whether that's sleep, exercise, you name it. So I'm curious, what are the things that you do in your life to help you with all the stresses and burdens and maybe even anxiety and, you know, maybe depression and people experience the full gamut in our spectrum. So what are the things that you do in your lifestyle that help you combat that? Man, that that is a great question because I think really it, it this year, I've really come to the realization that a lot of entrepreneurs do suffer from those things. And it's something that's actually pretty normal for entrepreneurs to go through. And uh, I've been battling a lot of it myself in the last year to two years. I moved to Hawaii thinking that just that move was going to change the way that I was feeling, right? And the realization was coming here, building the house I wanted, doing all that stuff, it didn't change the way that I was feeling, whether it's depression or anxiety. Like we all go through those things as entrepreneurs. So what I really have been doing to combat it is I think exercise is extremely important. And for me, it's been surfing. So I get to exercise and have fun at the same time. That's been a huge way that I relieve stress, cure depression, you know, make sure that I'm not having anxiety. I also use other things like CBD oil. If it's really bad, I've 
used Kratom before. I don't know if you've heard of that. But there's, I've also changed my diet, which was a huge factor in helping me feel better. I, I know one eight. big component of that is you stopped drinking altogether. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, I've been sober from alcohol for about four years. But when you do that, that's when all the real big issues come up because you actually have to deal with them instead you know, of suppress them, so to speak. Yeah. And so at the same time I stopped drinking, I also became a vegetarian. And what I've noticed, I'm no longer a vegetarian as of the last two months. And since I have started eating meat again, my entire mood has changed. My entire motivation has changed. My entire outlook has changed. I feel completely different as a a man that now eats meat versus a man that was a vegetarian. And so it honestly that was the biggest change in the last year that made me feel so much better. And I was obviously lacking some nutritional components there because I wasn't getting enough protein or animal fats or whatever. But I, I think it's extremely important that people get exercise eat healthy and take time to do what they love other than just focusing on their business. 100%. And thank you for sharing. You, I wanted to touch on this on each uh, interview that we do because like I mentioned, I, I've personally suffered with, you know, anxiety and even panic for over 10 years now. And, you know, sometimes it's more manageable than others. And when I talk to people, it's amazing how people open up and say, Hey, actually, I have that too. It may manifest differently. Different things may help ease my symptoms. And it really just kind of opened my eyes that, you know, we we go through this process as creative individuals, as hardworking, motivated individuals who are trying to do something bigger than just clock in and clock out. And um, I think that those type of personality traits tend to congregate around those who also have a lot of other kind of baggage that can come with it. So I think if we can talk about it and normalize it and help equip people with the right tools to deal with that stress in those conditions that uh, we can all kind of get through life uh, in a lot more manageable capacity. So that's kind of my goal with this segment here at the end of if each interview. And what are some of the things that you do, Travis? Because I'm curious. I'm I'm always open to implementing more procedures for better health, better mental health. Sure. I mean, uh, it's constantly a, a battle for me personally. Um but the things that I've noticed that are my levers, so to speak, you know, reducing or eliminating caffeine and alcohol were, were big factors for me. Um, trying to get as good a sleep as possible, which can oftentimes be related to caffeine and alcohol for different people. I try to meditate every single day. I try to do, I try to work out every day. Sometimes that's a run. Sometimes that's hopping on the Peloton bike inside. Cause as you know, it can rain a lot in the Seattle area. <laughs> uh, yep. And so having a, an outlet that can, you know, get your sweat on, get your heart rate up, get endorphins released um, is definitely a big factor and can, again, contribute to sleep and be stress relief. You know, none of the things that I've done are necessarily silver bullets, but when you take a look at all these things combined, you know, with some other supplements and other things like that, um, I found that the aggregate effect of them can make me a lot higher functioning without you know, getting too crazy about it and certainly make me functioning at all sometimes if it's if it's pretty bad. So I get pretty intense about business stuff sometimes. I, I get too focused on, you know, what's next, where are we going, everything. I, I look at the 
the future ahead about where I'm trying to go. And it's kind of like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? The, the joke is, you know, one bite at a time. And I, <laughs> I get ahead of the one bite at a time mentality sometimes. And that takes its toll. So it's easy for all of us to do. For sure. Yeah. But, but exercise, you know, eating regular, healthier meals and reducing stimulants and depressants, uh, you know, because alcohol is a depressant. I'm not saying you shouldn't drink, you know, people can make their own decisions. But uh, for me personally, significantly reducing. And in this case, for 2019, I decided to eliminate altogether, at least for this year. But managing those different levers leads to better outcomes for me personally. And so I'm always curious, as you are, what's working for other people and how are they managing it? Yeah. And that's one of the thing about alcohol is like, as we get older, our body cannot handle it the same as when we were 20, 21, 22, you Absolutely. know, so my body just cannot handle it the same as when I was young. And so giving it up was one of the best things that I've ever done. Yeah. And, and like, I just want to be clarified, like I have zero judgment on people that decide that they would like to drink, uh, you know, obviously within reason. Well, yeah, me, me as well. I drinking doesn't bother me. It's just a personal choice that I made that has been positive. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly how I view it as well. So, I mean, even though I don't drink, I keep beers in our fridge for when my father and my father-in-law come over because they really enjoy a nice cold beer. So if they want one, they can certainly have them when they come to my house. So anyway, that's I'm glad we were able to talk about that. I'm glad that you're finding things that are working for you. And more importantly, I'm glad that your business is working and it's it's suiting the lifestyle that you're looking for. It's been a real pleasure having you on today. Is there, what's the best way, I guess, for people to reach out to you and learn more about your business or contact you personally if they have more questions. Yeah, if people want to check us out, our website is creditceo.com. Cool. And if, if you want to send me an email, it's just my first name, J-E-S-S-E at creditceo.com. And any credit advice that you ask us is always free. So don't hesitate to reach out. Great. Well, thanks again for being on. And uh, maybe we'll have to do a follow-up here in a little while down the road if you implement some some offers for those who are churning out and see if we can't have a little case study about how to reduce churn and increase your bottom line. Hey, I'd love to. Thanks for having me, Travis. All right. Thanks, Jesse.